just integrate. Don't assimilate, you know, keep your culture. Right. But integrate. We've only just Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to A Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Angel Rodriguez. And in this episode, you'll be listening to Abu Samra, who is living abroad in Egypt. Now, Abu Samra is originally from London, and he talks to us about what it was like to grow up in the UK, how his love of karate took him to Egypt, what life has been like for the past six years living abroad in Egypt, as well as some of the culture shock that he's experienced. He also describes how his African heritage and Muslim faith has enabled him to integrate. And finally, what the future has in store. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss this. Hope you enjoy. This is A Living Color Abroad. All right. Welcome, Abu Samra, to A Living Color Abroad. How you doing, man? I'm very, very good, my boy. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Thank you for asking. I appreciate you taking the time. And for those that are curious how I found uh, Abu Samra, I was, you know, on my YouTube wormhole, you know, looking at people living abroad, <laughs> expats in different <laughs> countries, and then I come across this page, and it's like, oh, Egypt. I never done Egypt before, and then I looked at some of your vlogs, and it was really quality stuff, man. It really intrigued me in terms of uh, some of your story and where you've been in, in Egypt. So we're going to get right to it. So please, Abu Samra, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. All right, cool. First and foremost, uh, I gotta say thank you for the compliments on the on the video. That means a lot to me, man. I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, just um, I uh, born and raised in the UK to parents from Eritrea, a very small country in East Africa, um, and yeah. So just growing up, I just had a regular life. Um, I was a karate athlete. And my coach was Egyptian. So that's where the connection between myself and Egypt started. So, um, yeah, so just kind of moved to Egypt in the summer of 2016. Yeah. Wow. So you've been there for a minute. Yeah, yeah. And the scary thing is it's it's kind of felt more familiar to be in Egypt than in London. <laughs> that's interesting. So let's start right from the beginning. So you said Eritrea? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, yeah. so what you were born there? Is you were born there? Uh, I was born in London. Okay, um, but but parents. my parents moved. They moved to the UK um, in nineteen ninety, and then uh, I was born after that. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And so, just tell us because I've had a couple of people from the UK, but from your perspective, what is it like having immigrant parents and growing up in the UK? Well, what is that like? Um. I'll be honest with you, man. It's 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 a very very unique experience because um, you know in the household, it was like I was in Eritrea, you know. Mm. Um, and then when I stepped outside, it was like, yeah, I'm in London, I'm in the UK. But despite that, you know, I grew up in an area that was predominantly African Caribbean, so it was almost as if like I was in the United Nations, <laughs> you know, just like so much diversity. So. Um, it, it, I was very, very, I'm still very grateful for that experience because I got to learn more about other cultures. Um, and you know, that's why I think that's why making the move to Egypt was so easy because it was another opportunity for me to learn, um, and just to get to know more about the world. So a very unique experience, but one I'm definitely grateful for. Wow. 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 It's so funny that you mentioned how when you're in your household, you were in Eritrea. I'm saying this correctly, Eritrea, right? Yeah, yeah, you got it, yeah. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I don't want to butcher your country. So, it's funny you say yeah, yeah. that um, in the household because I was literally talking to a colleague and I mentioned this because I'm from New York and I say that, you know, I grew up in New York City but in my in my household, my parents from the Dominican Republic, I was in a Dominican household, right? It was like in, in these four walls, I was like transported there to the island but you said once I stepped outside of my doors, I'm in New York City, I'm in America, right? And... Yeah. Like you, I also felt like I was in the United Nations with all these different countries and people that live, in, you know, immigrant stories, right? Big cities like London, yeah. New York, That I guess that's common across the pond as well, which is cool to hear. So, okay, so growing up in the UK, you said it was a unique uh, experience and perspective. At what point 
Um, did you think to yourself, I want to move abroad? When did that come to you? Uh, it's a bit of a long story, but I'll try and summarize <laughs> it as quickly as I can. <laughs> we got time. We got time. So, <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Uh, so, um, so I grew up in Southeast London and South London has got a reputation for being like a no-go zone, you know? I'm not going to say it's as dangerous as Compton or Brooklyn or whatever, but um, yeah, yeah, trust me. I know. I know about what goes on in those areas. Don't worry. <laughs> so, um, But it was still, um, you know, like a dangerous place to be in. So um, whenever I used to go to school, my school was in an area that is central to the surrounding area. So you'd find rival gangs confronting each other so often i'd be at the wrong place at the wrong time so when i was in when i was finishing my finals for secondary school um when i was on my way to do one of the exams i found myself at the wrong place at the wrong time again so i was like when is this gonna end man like i've had enough of this you know so, so i remember talking to my mom and i was like i don't want to be here anymore because i don't think i could have a family here so my mom suggested, why don't you think about moving to the Emirates? Now, the Emirates at that time wasn't known as what it is known as for now, you know? Right. Big contracts, money, glitz, glamour, all of that. So I was confused. I was like, what's in the Emirates? And she said, well, you know, they give you nice contracts. They sort out your accommodation for you, good salaries. You don't get taxed and it's safe. You can raise a family there. So I was like, okay, cool. I can think about that. Um, so Egypt wasn't even on the list. But long story short, um, you know, I used to be a karate athlete. Once I graduated from university and I finished my studies, um, you know, it was always my dream to move to Egypt to get some training in because Egypt are one of the best countries in the world in karate. You know, they've got wow. a long list of world champions. So, did not know that about Egypt. <laughs> Your bro, they're serious, bro. They're serious. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what happened to me when I first started training there, bro. It's so embarrassing, but uh, <laughs> so. You know, I was kind of struggling to find a job in the UK. So my father was like, well, why don't you think about teaching English abroad? So I was like, that's not a bad idea. And then I started to connect the dots. I was like, maybe I could teach English in Egypt, make my own money and train while I'm there. So um, that's kind of how it came about. And the reason why I knew Egypt was so good was because, again, my coach was Egyptian. Right. So he used to bring players from Egypt to come and train with us. And every single player he, he brought over, it was like this guy or this girl is next level. So that's basically how it came about. So I was like, all right, if I can get a job out there, no problem, I'll move. Um, so the plan was to do one or two years, but, you know, I ended up staying longer, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's been great so far. That's that's insane. So let, let, let's go, right, because this kind of surprised me a little bit because whenever I speak to anyone that's either first or second generation, you know, from an immigrant family, their first thing is not that, oh, yeah, my parents wanted me to move. Why did your mom say, why don't you move somewhere else? I'm surprised that was your mom's response. <laughs> why do you think that was a response for you? Like, yeah, you should leave. <laughs> um, I, I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you brought up, I don't know. Maybe she secretly wanted me out of the house. I have no idea, man. But no, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. But um, I think it's because... Like, my mom knew what was going on around the neighborhood. Like, mm. she wasn't completely oblivious, you know? Um, and she actually kept me in the house. Like, she would only let me leave the house to go to training, and that was it. Um, mm. So I think she saw that it was a better opportunity for me. And um, she also knew that if I was able to move to the Emirates, I'd be able to take care of her as well. I'd be able to bring her over and stuff like that. Um, mm. And my mother's never been one to, like, stand in the way of me doing anything, you know? Um so I think I, I, I think I think it's mainly that. Um, but nowadays she's like, "When are you going to come back to the UK?" And I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." I'm like, "Listen, you gave me the AOK. This is, this is your idea. Now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 So okay, let's talk about a little about about karate. What got you into karate? Because you know, what, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of karate is obviously like Jackie Chan or something like that. And also, you know, you do it as a kid, but not you know, you're obviously a full grown adult. And you're into karate. So how did that even happen? Oh, man. Um, I've got to credit my sister for that. Um, obviously, as a kid, you know, you grew up watching Spider-Man and all of these things. So uh, my favorite was Ninja Turtles, actually. Mm. Um, so I was like, oh, this looks really, really fun. And then I don't know if anyone would know these films, but you know the three ninjas series? Like there's three kids who would like, they were ninjas. They grew up with an uncle in Japan or something like that. So yeah, I don't know that one. You know. <laughs> 
Yeah, it, this, that's like a classic. That's like vintage, you know. <laughs> um, so for me, it was like I didn't know kids could do that because they were like kid ninjas. So I was mm. like, I was like, yo, if they can do that, I don't see why I can't do that. And then my sister showed me Jackie Chan, and then seeing him, seeing him do all these stunts and stuff, I was like, hey man, I was like, if I can, if he can do that, I want to do that. I want to be Blackie Chan. So <laughs> let's go for it. Dope, dope, dope. Okay, so now take me into when you, you know, when you said you decided, you know, Egypt through through your instructor. So when when exactly did you leave to Egypt? What year? Uh, 2016. So uh, I arrived in Egypt the first of September 2016. Okay, okay. And man, what did you do research beforehand? What was going through your mind when you're like on this plane and like, yeah, I'm about to live in Egypt. Yeah, you know, like um, I had visited Egypt twice before that because oh, okay. I had friends in Egypt from, uh, you know, from when they came over and stuff. Um, so they were like, yeah, why don't you come visit us? You'll like it. I was like, yeah, sure, why not? So I went in the summer of 2015. I was there for about two weeks and I enjoyed it so much. I was like, I want to go again, you know, so I went the following summer um, and I stayed there for a month. So... When I stayed there for a month, I was able to gauge what life in Egypt was like, you know, the weather, the currency, expenses, all of that stuff. And then um, a position opened up as well. So I was able to do the calculation. Um, I also researched the the culture a little bit, the traditions, um, all of that stuff. So, yeah, definitely a lot of research went into it because the last thing you want to do is move to a country that you don't do enough research on and then you end up regretting it. You know, moving to another country is not as simple as moving to a different neighborhood and moving to a different house. Like it's, right. it's, it's like a whole different world, you know? So, um, and I'm sure you, you know this as well from your own experience, you know, living in a different country. Like yeah. it's not, it's, it's, it's not an easy move. It's something that has to be well thought out, well planned, well researched. So, um, yeah, like it, it helped a lot when I, when I had to move, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Agreed. Agreed on all points. Okay, so you, so you, you haven't decided when you went in this in those two summers prior to twenty sixteen. You didn't decide by then that you were going to move, did you? No, no. The okay. second time I visited, it was it was on my mind. Like I was considering it, mm. but I wasn't. I wasn't exactly sure. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, so I, I had to think about it really well. So what was what was the switch? What, what was the one the one or maybe multiple things that told you okay? I have to go. Um, it was just, you know, I might never get this opportunity again. You know, mm. I just felt that it was the right time to go. Um, and I wasn't sure if it was going to work out or not. But I kept telling myself, you know, you will never know until or unless you go for it. So, um, you know, my father really liked the idea as well, because um, I'm going to be honest with you. Like up until moving to Egypt, I never worked a day in my life. Uh, in the UK, I never left home. So my father kind of saw it as an opportunity for me to just go and be a man. You know, he mm. was like, you're, you're 21, 22, you know, just, just do it, go for it. It's going to be a struggle, but that's the only way you will learn, you know? So right. just go for it. Gotcha. And, and what job do you end up finding when you, when you got over there? Uh, I started teaching English. Um, you know, uh, thankfully the, the job that I, that I got, was uh, they were going to give me one year training while getting paid and accommodation being sorted out and everything. And then the second year was just going to be a normal year. So I was like, I cannot pass up this opportunity. Right, right. And so, again, like, you you know, you're, you're now you're in Egypt. Because, of course, the first thing that comes to my mind, and I'm sure most people that are listening, when you think of Egypt, obviously, you know, one of the, the Sphinx, you know, the pyramids, one of the wonders of the world. <laughs> what? <laughs> so what, what did you imagine? What did you imagine life was going to be like for yourself? Like, you know, before, obviously, you experienced it. But what, what were you anticipating um, in, in life in Egypt? Um, in all honesty, nothing. I didn't have any <laughs> expectations. Oh, wow. I didn't want to have any, any expectations because... I was always worried about being disappoint being disappointed. So I was like, just go there and take it day by day, you know? Um, and thankfully, it was the right approach to take, you know? Mm -hmm. Why do you feel that was the right approach to take for, for yourself? Why do you feel that way? Um, because anytime I had, I'm not going to say a culture shock, but anytime I saw something that was different to what I was used to, it was more like, oh, okay, this is something new you know, mm. um, and it was like, oh, okay, cool. So that's how they handed it here. 
Because if I went thinking, okay, Egypt is going to be like this or like that, a lot, a lot of times people just get disappointed. And this is what I heard from other experts. So it was just mm. kind of like, just go with zero expectations and um, <clears throat> just kind of go as, as an empty vessel, mm. you know, and just allow the experience to teach you and just, you know, kind of learn more about the place that, that you're in. Mm. So you feel like it allowed yourself to be more open then? Precisely, yeah. And that's how you got to be when you move to different countries. you got to be open to how they live. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, wait, so, you know, obviously you were going to do karate when you were going to be out there, right? Yeah. Right, so tell me, that you said you had a funny story in terms of like when you first got out there, you were doing karate that you got embarrassed. Tell me that story. Yeah, man. So, like, Egyptians are very intense when it comes to karate, you know, because for them it's an opportunity to travel make something of themselves and everything. So they take it very seriously. So, you know, when I first walked in, they welcomed me. Everything was good. When it came to sparring, everything changed, you know? <laughs> and you know what it is, yeah? For, for the first minute, I was doing well. I was winning. And then, like, but the guy was just that much better, that much more experienced. So he ended up coming back and winning the match. Right. And, like... It was okay. It was like, that's a respectable performance, you know, winning and then came back and lost. Like, it, it's all good. But then when I faced someone who was much better, I got pieced up. Worse than Habib beat Connor. <laughs> like, the only thing that was missing was him telling me, let's talk now. Wow. Was that like, bad, huh? And yeah, it was that bad. And I remember going home thinking, what did I get myself into, you know? <laughs> Like it was, it was bad. But the coaches were supportive. The players were supportive. They were like, "Look, man." They were like, "We've all been pieced up like this before, you know." But again, that's just one day. Like you got to take it day by day, you know. So they were very supportive and very nice. And um, you know, I got better, you know, bit by bit. And the coaches were impressed as well. They were like, "Yeah, we can see the progress and everything." So um, you know, it was it 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 was tough, but. Again, looking back at it now, it was kind of funny the way I got beaten. Like, it was horrible, bro. I'm telling you, it was horrible. <laughs> you had to uh, send, me some, <laughs> send me some pics of that. Now. <laughs> <laughs> that. So, you know what's crazy? You're talking about karate in Egypt. And I'm sure that's probably going to be like a fun fact for anyone that has no idea about Egypt. Because obviously, when you think of karate, you're, not, you're thinking of Asia. You're not thinking of Africa or Egypt, per se, right? So wh yeah. what's the history behind that? When did karate get to Egypt? Like, when was it introduced to Egyptians? Um, I'm not sure, actually. I think it was probably introduced around the 70s and the 80s, maybe. Maybe around that time. Okay. But So pretty recent, um, then. Pretty recent, yeah. But I would say since... Maybe 2006, they've been meddling in world championships very consistently, especially at the cadet junior under 21 level. Like sometimes they would just top the medals table with like six, seven gold medals. Like they would literally clear out the competition. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. E fun fact yeah, for those listening. Serious. Egypt, karate, they're good at it. Evidenced by Abu yeah. Samra's experience. <laughs> <laughs> trust me guys you don't want to test them you don't want to test them trust me don't mess don't mess with the Egyptian on the street that's for sure what about some karate are you and what are you like a black belt what, what are you what are you uh black belt yeah 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 man so you could you, you could piece somebody up pretty good too then <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean you know what when you grow up in South London, you, you got to learn that by heart, you know, and then the karate right. kind of helps a little bit. But no, no, no. Like, I'm, uh, <laughs> you know, like when you when when you learn any type of martial arts, you know, like oftentimes you just think, let me walk away, you know, because, right. because especially when you do combat sports, like, you know, the dangers of, you know, hitting someone in the face, you know, you like you know, the dangers of fighting, you know, what what is always right. possible. So, you know, a lot of these guys that are just like, oh, come outside, bro. Meet me outside, bro. I don't think they actually know the reality of violence, you know? Yeah, right. So you, you can kind of tell, like, who's trained and who's not, you know? Right, right, obviously. And, of course, he says it's used for yeah. defense. It's not used to try to show somebody what you could do. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Otherwise, you would get humbled quicker than I did. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let, let's talk about let's talk about life in Egypt, okay, right? Because, again, I know... I only know... Okay, so it's funny, funny story. I only know Egypt, or I know now a little bit more about Egypt through this show that you might have heard of called Rami. Do you know the show Rami on Hulu? 
Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it. it's I I think it's great. If I was this this Egyptian American family in New Jersey, but he also goes to Egypt as well. So only through a television show I know something about Egypt. But okay. So anyways, so what is like for you again? You have African heritage, and now you're living in a mm. country in Africa. But obviously, you know, Africa is very diverse, right? In terms of religion, cultures, things like that. So how yeah. do you describe uh, like the Egyptian people, what they practice? Like just like obviously not to generalize a whole group of people, but for, for mm. those maybe wanting to visit and what to expect on what life is like in Egypt on just day-to-day -day interactions with uh, the locals. Yeah, um, as, as someone who like, you know, lives there, works there, um, I can tell you that they are very hospitable people. Like hospitality for them is a serious thing, you know. Mm. If they know that someone is a foreigner, um, you know, it's like they go out of their way to take care of that person, you know. Um, so this is one thing. Secondly, they've got a great sense of humor, you know. They know how to joke about um, like almost anything. Um, and what I've also gathered as well is that... The, the, like they're, they're, they're positive people, you know, mm. um, which is which is amazing because, you know, they've gone through a lot in the last decade or so, you know, with right. everything that went on politically. So it's nice to see. But, um, you know, obviously, when, when you go to touristy places, um, you got to be careful because obviously they overcharge a lot of things. Um, a lot of things are overpriced. Um, so that's. That's that's what I would say, but like I think on on a day to day kind of thing, that's what you can expect: good hospitality, sense of humor, um, and positivity for mm -hmm. sure. And and do you feel like you fit in as a person of color there, in a obviously you know non white country? Yeah, I mean they 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 thought I was Egyptian when they first saw me, oh. you know. Um, so it was like, oh, we didn't know you weren't Egyptian. We thought you were like like us Egyptian. And I was like, no, no, no. And um, like what I found often was like when I told them I was from the UK, because obviously that's where I was born and raised. You know, right, so right. when you go to a different country, you just say where you're from according to the passport. Mm -hmm. You don't really go into ethnicity and stuff. But right. they were like, oh, but like, what about your parents? Are they like? British and I'm like no obviously not my parents are from you know Eritrea and so on and so forth so you know um to them it's like they haven't seen many you know ethnic minorities in the UK mm. um so that's like so to them it, it was interesting to to see that um uh, but I think I think now the tide is starting to turn with this new generation now you know with TikTok Instagram and everything you know um, that's starting to change a little bit. But in terms of fitting in, yeah, it was it was it was very very easy, you know. Mm. That's so interesting how you said that. You know, when you go abroad, it's just about you know your passport, right? You don't really go into the to the layers of, of identity, right? Uh, obviously, for yeah. people like you and I that have immigrant parents. So it's like, we got we can't just say, you know, we're British or we're American. There's a little bit more explanation to describe who we are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. so kind of like you are in Egypt, I'm assuming you're kind of breaking a mold, right, in terms of, of what they might anticipate from someone that speaks with a British accent, but does it, but it's not white, you know? And yeah. that's a very interesting thing. And so again, going going to the to the African heritage, when you, when you say you're from Eritrea, What's their reaction? Do they have any familiarity with it? Do they feel like, oh, you're one of us because you're part of the, you're from the continent through heritage, or what? What is that like? You feel? Um, so with with strangers, um, they're just like, oh, welcome to Egypt. You know, we're happy to have you. Uh, and some of them even say like, yeah, like we know Eritreans are humble people, nice people, and so on. So, you know, something that they normally say in Egypt is Ahsan Nas. So Ahsan Nas in Arabic basically means like you're the best people. Mm. Um, but they, they say that about all foreigners, so it's just like, are you saying this because, like, you know, like you're being disingenuous of me, bro? You know, but no, no, but like, you know, like I, I, I just try to assume the best, you know, right? Um, but with with my coworkers, for example, um, their experience with British people hasn't always been positive, um, and I don't want to specify like which kind of British people because right. I don't, I don't want people to get the wrong idea, but. You know, when they see me, they're like, man, you're not British, you're one of us, you're Egyptian, man. They're like, you're, like, you're different, you know, especially especially because um, like my father, before I moved, you know, the best piece of advice he ever gave me was, you know, when you get to Egypt, be Egyptian. 
you know. So learn mm. about their culture, their tradition, learn about their their language, their food, you know. So he said, just integrate. Don't assimilate, you know. Keep your culture, right? But integrate, you know. Be like them. He said, don't walk around arrogant. Don't walk around like, nah, I've got my lifestyle, you got yours. He's like, no, no. He's like, you know, be humble, learn, you know. So, um. That's why a lot of the times they just called me a fake Brit. They're like, no, you're not British, you're fake. You know? And I was like, hey, man, that's a good compliment. I'll take you. <laughs> that's such, I mean, I mean, first of all, I think that's such, it's, it's so interesting and, and I think amazing that your father, who obviously immigrated himself, right, from another yeah. country to the UK, is now giving his son advice of leaving the UK going to Africa. Right, because I'm sure that's yeah. what your dad did. Obviously, you said your household was a reach a retrian. Was that, is that correct? The retrian household. Yeah. And yeah. so obviously he didn't assimilate. He integrated, right? Because obviously he kept their your your guys' culture as part of the household, but obviously he integrated into British culture. And he obviously wants you to succeed as well by doing the same in Africa. And I think that's just so crazy about. And you mentioned this new generation. I just feel like this time that we're living in, you know, during the pandemic or whatever the case may be, you know. Yeah, uh, it is new decade. I just feel that this is this new wave of of people of color, first second generation immigrants that are experiencing this kind of flipped kind of thing, where they know what it's like for their parents to immigrate. So they kind of have that also in the back of their mind when they go somewhere else as well. Because it's so easy, like you said, it's so easy to kind of just uh like you said be standoffish and say, well, this is my culture, this is how I do things, and I'm just gonna be here for a while versus actually integrating with the people there. And so let, let's talk a little bit about the fact that you said, they, they said uh, you're a fake Brit, right? So for me, also I feel I'm American obviously, but I'm also Latino. And here in Costa Rica, I feel that I have it in with like my colleagues that are Costa Rican because I can speak Spanish and because I also look like them. <laughs> so you might you might look like some of them. So they're like, ah, you're one of us, right? So not just maybe yeah. in in just uh, your background, maybe of having African heritage, also the way you look and maybe just your personality and how you're perceived, right? And it's like you're not you're not showing yourself as to being, yeah, I'm better than you because I'm from the, a Western country, but no, I'm here in your country, so I'm trying to learn your ways. And I think, like you said that sets you up for success because people are going to be more willing to accept you versus, like you said, they might not have the best experience for those that come from Western nations that might want to impose their own value systems on that country. But I don't know if you want to have any, any thoughts about that long-winded statement I just made. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 a hundred. Like, you you hit the nail on the head, bro. Like, that's, that, that's a hundred statement because, um, you know, when I was hired to work at the, the center uh, that I first joined, um, I was hired with, like, um, so I, I was hired along with a batch. So there are about 30 teachers that were hired. Mm. So, you know, I noticed that the ones that were all about no, you know, were about freedom this and freedom that, you know, freedom of expression, freedom of choice and whatever. And, you know, that's how the whole world should live their lives, you know. So I noticed that they didn't last very long in Egypt. And even if they did see out their contract, I noticed that they were just always just complaining about something. And don't get me wrong, like, Egypt is not an easy place to live in. Like, you have to be very, very patient, you know, mm -hmm. especially if you come from the West where everything is done, like, very quickly. But you got to understand in Egypt is different. So when you accept that and you just like, all right, look, I can't go to a country and tell them to change everything. Like, who am I? You know, in right. a country of over 100 million, there's nothing special about, special about me to go and start telling people how to live their lives, you know. So once you accept it, and you understand that this is the way it's going to be. It just makes your life a whole lot easier. So um, at the same time, I think this is why like, I've had such a great relationship with Egyptians because they appreciate that, you know, mm. especially when you know a bit of Arabic and, you you know, you kind of like um, have the same sense of humor as them. You know, like um, there was this guy who, um, uh, he was a very funny guy. He used to teach me Egyptian slang, right? Like hood slang in Egypt, basically. Mm. And every now and then whenever i would drop it it was like everybody would laugh and you know <laughs> like you know and it's like oh he's one of us and then some people would make a joke and be like no guys you destroyed him he was classy now he's become you know so it's just like it was like you know it, it like everyone had a good time you know and again they they appreciate that so mm -hmm. um because they know like he doesn't have to do that you know right um and I know, and I'm not just saying this about myself, just the others who did, who followed in, you know, and took that same approach. 
you know, they they ended up seeing out their contracts. Some of them ended up staying for four or five years. And, you know, they always say that they want to go back for a holiday and see their friends. So, um, you know, oftentimes I get messages from people and they're like, uh, but, you know, I've heard this about Egypt and that about Egypt. I told them, listen, if something like that is going to put you off, don't go. It's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's telling you you have to go. But if you are going to go, then you have to understand that this is just something you're going to have to deal with. And if you feel that it's not going to be an inconvenience, then by all means, go for it. If this is something you're not going to be able to handle, that's no problem. Just don't go, you know? Right, right. And you said something, there's 100 million people in Egypt? Yeah, over 100 million right wow. now. Wow. Yeah, another another fun. Yeah. I, wow, I definitely would have never guessed that. If, you, if someone were told the angel, guess how many people live in Egypt? I would have guessed, I don't know, 20 million? I would have guessed 100 million. Jeez, Egypt is huge. Shit. No, 20, 20 million is just Cairo. I, I, <laughs> okay, that's good to know. Fun fact, good. Egypt is good at karate, and they also have over 100 million people living in Egypt. Good yep. to know. Uh, <laughs> all right, so you, <laughs> so it seems to me, just listening to you talk and, you know, in our 30-minute conversation so far, it seems to me you're, you're a pretty open guy, you know, chill dude, and you kind of go with the flow of things. But let's talk about, like you said, the culture shock. What are some of the things that, that were hard or are still hard for you of, you know, for yourself living in Egypt? Take us through some of those hardships. Oh, man. Uh, where do I begin? Uh... <laughs> uh man i think um this might sound a bit weird but like whenever i got in a taxi or whenever i went to like uh to like so basically they've got these kiosks in cairo right like everywhere so oftentimes when it came time to pay they would just be like oh no it's okay don't pay i'm like are you being serious he's like yeah don't pay so then i walk away and then the guy's like, hey, hey, where are you going? And I was like, I mean, you told me I didn't have to pay. Like, I mean, I, I thought you were just being nice. And he was like, no, 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 no. He was like, you have to pay. And I was like, so why why, why sell me dreams? Don't sell me dreams, my guy. Just tell me the price and I'll, I'll, I'll pay. Do you get what I'm saying? But it's just it's just a way of them being nice, you know, because it's like, it's, I don't know how to explain it, to be honest with you. I think it's just kind of that, like, I think it's just their hospitality or whatever. So it took a while for me to deal with that and, like it was like, bro, just tell me the price and I'll bounce. Like it's, it's not an issue, you know. Because in the UK, if so, like you know, let's say for example, I'm missing a little bit, you know, like if like I'm missing a bit of money, he'll be like, you know what, it's fine, don't worry about right. it, you know. And I know he's being genuine, but in Egypt, they do that quite frequently, and it just reached a point where I was like, listen, man, I'm gonna give you the money, give me my change if there's change, and I'll I'll leave. All right, don't don't sell me dreams right now, okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> I like that. I like that. I'm gonna steal that one. Don't sell me dreams, man. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> don't sell me dreams, my guy. Um, there was this, and um, so wait, pause, also... pause, pause, pause. Sorry, sorry, I had to interrupt you. So you're saying yeah. they don't mean what they say in terms of like that hospitality stuff? Like, yeah, it's all good. Like, wait, actually, I didn't actually mean that. You actually have to pay me. I'm just trying to be nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like wow. with, with that kind of thing. I mean, the hospitality is different when you get invited to their house. Like, when you get invited okay. to the ah. Oh, this is the second culture shock. Okay. <laughs> like you, you, you might you might think this is bad, right? But okay, let's hear it. No, no, sorry. You might think it's good, but really, like it, it kind of puts you in in an awkward situation. So, like I said, Egyptians really like to treat their guests well inside the house, right? So mm-hmm. whenever I got invited, they would just load up my plate, right? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna be able to finish it. And it's like, no, it's okay. Don't worry. Just eat what you can. I'm like, all right, cool, bet. So I end up finishing the plate, and then next thing I know, boom a second round oh of the exact same God. size. I'm like, guys, I, I I can't finish this. They're like, it's okay, it's okay. I'll finish the second plate. And then, boom, they'll give me a third plate. Damn, I'm like, guys, You, you on, eat a man. lot, and man. You, you finish two full plates of food. <laughs> bro, bro, they love you that much, you know? And then I'm like, guys, I've eaten enough. And then they'll tell me, you haven't eaten anything. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm, I'm like, all right, look, I was like, okay, look, I'm going to have a little bit and then I'll have some dessert. They're like, okay, fine, no problem. So I'll just try to finish whacking up the third plate and then dessert comes, right? So then I just take like maybe two or like maybe like one slice of cake, two biscuits and maybe two pieces of sweets. And then I'm like, this is good for me. And then they're like, why, why are you eating so little? I'm like, these guys are trying to give me diabetes right now, man. <laughs> 
Do you get what I'm saying? So it's right, like all right. of that is a culture shock as well. Like it's again, it's not it's not like a bad culture shock, but right. it still shocks me. It was like I didn't know that they took hospitality that seriously. It's like they really, really try to take good care of you, you know. And um, that's not just an Egyptian thing; that's an Arab thing. Because I went to Saudi right. Arabia once for a month. Same thing. Same thing. Right. That's all. I also would like to say that's also kind of a Latin thing as well. A Latino households. It's very common for them to give you as much as you can possibly intake. And, you know, you get to be polite. You don't want, like, I learned this from a young age. Like, whenever somebody gives you something on a plate, you got to finish it. You can't, like, leave something to the side because they're going to be offended that, oh, so you didn't like this part of, of you know, exactly. of the dish. So you, have, you better finish that. I don't know so much about the first, second place, but definitely, all right, I, I have to eat whatever's <laughs> on my plate. I got to be polite and eat everything on this damn plate, even though I hate it. <laughs> I got to eat everything on this plate. Or somebody, somebody's <laughs> gonna be offended. So would they be offended if you didn't finish what was what was on your plate? Um, I don't actually know to be honest. Because you've eaten everything on your plate. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I I don't know how how they would feel. I mean, they would definitely think, oh, he didn't like it. But right, right, right. Um, right. But no, I don't I, I don't think they would they would take it that to heart that okay, much. But gotcha. hey, look, man, I'm 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 glad you told me a, a, a Latino household is the same because if I ever get invited, now I know what to expect. Right, Thanks, right, man. right, right. Maybe not three plays, but they'll definitely share a play and try to give you as much until, until you say no. And sometimes you gotta you gotta be firm. You gotta be firm with your nose. I think if I th it's easy for me, maybe for you too. We're from the UK. I'm from New York. It's easy to to say no for for me at least. I don't know about you. You got you British, but yeah. <laughs> 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 but all right. So you, so those are some of the some of the hardships that you said culture shocks. What are some of the things that you're like? Damn, I love this, and I, and you know, UK needs to learn about this shit. What are some things that you love about the uh, Egyptian culture and just the way things are in Egypt and in your daily your daily life? Um, well, the hospitality for sure, definitely. Right. Um, secondly, just Egyptians are very helpful. Um, like they're so helpful. I remember one time, like I was in an Uber, and I was just heading somewhere, and then um, there was another car beside us, and then he rolled down his window, and he's like, uh, "Hey, man, like I, I need to get to this place. Do you know how I can get there?" Bear in mind, these guys are holding up traffic behind us. Do you get what I'm saying? But right, again, right. the guy was to make sure that he, he's going to get to the place, like, you know, safely and correctly. So it's just like they will literally go out of their way to, to, to help you. I mean, sometimes you do get people that are a bit disingenuous. Like, you know, they want to, you know, they want something from you after that. But from my experience, it's like... Like, even at work, for example, like, even just with my co-workers, where they're not going to get anything out of it. It's like they've literally gone out of their way a million times, like, to such an extent where they'll be behind on work, but they'll say, no, listen, I'm going to go help my co-worker out. So I feel like, but again, Egypt take it to a different level because they do it with strangers. Right. Where I'm from, especially in London, London, like, Londoners are, like, it's so bad that, like, if you talk to somebody on, on the subway, that's a big no-no. Yeah. Same in New York. Same in like New York. Sounds like home. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't, like, you, you don't do that. But with Egyptians, it's like, you know, it's like, no, nah, like, you know, we can talk to each other. We can help each other out and so on and so forth. So I think that's something that the UK should, should pick up on. Um, other thing that I like is literally every single thing that you can think of gets delivered to your house. You want medicine, it gets delivered to your uh -huh. house. Groceries, delivered to your house. Cup of coffee, cup of tea, delivered to you. Literally every wow. single thing you can imagine. And, and I yeah. need to ask you this. Where, where, you live in Cairo? I lived in Cairo, yeah. You Wait, you lived? You no longer live there? Oh, man, I exposed myself. Oh, damn. <laughs> wait, 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 what do you mean? Oh, so you, you've left Egypt? All right, so I was gonna announce this on my channel, but oh damn, man, I, I mean, we could take we could, we could take this out if you want. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, it's cool. It's cool. This, this will be breaking a, news. Breaking news. <laughs> yeah. So I I recently secured a job elsewhere. So um, I left Egypt and I left Egypt last night. Came back to wow. the UK. Wow. Yeah. Well, this is the most breaking news I've ever heard on my podcast. <laughs> Someone, wow, that's bananas. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry for exposing you, but. <laughs> no, it's me. No, it's me. I got caught lacking. I got caught lacking big time, man. Yeah, you definitely did. You definitely got caught lacking. <laughs> yeah, bro, that's not good. But yeah, no, I secured a job elsewhere. Okay. Do you want to keep, uh, keep that <laughs> elsewhere secret for your channel? You don't got to say that if you don't want to, the elsewhere. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I'm right. gonna, I'm gonna keep that quiet. All right, right. Can, yeah, okay, yeah. can you, can, uh, you got to tease it a little bit. Can you give us a continent or no? Somewhere in Asia. Oh, okay, okay. Tune in, guys. You got to choose Abu Sabr's channel, YouTube. You want to find out where he's going next? <laughs> <laughs> or, a, or a part but, two, a part but, two of the color, bro. <laughs> But it's not it's not a part of Asia that everyone's expecting. It's oh, a oh even more of a tease. Wow, look at that. Even more, even more yeah. of a tease. There you go. You gotta check out his channel. Yeah. Of course it'll be linked in the description. But <laughs> all right. Well anyways, you so you lived in Cairo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so obviously Cairo, you says twenty million people in Cairo. So what yeah. is like, you know, I'm expecting, of course, because I don't know anything about Egypt, but I'm expecting, you know, a lot of motorcycles, crazy traffic. Is that is that how it is? Hundred percent, hundred percent. The traffic, the traffic is like no other place I've been to. Like, I mean, again, I haven't been to a lot of countries, but like, I would say that was another culture shock as well. I just forgot to mention that, but yeah, the the traffic is 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 yeah, it's it's on another level. But but I will say that um, towards the end of my stay in Egypt, it got so much better. Like, mm. it's like the infrastructure is getting much better now. They're building a lot more bridges. Um, I don't know if people know about this, but they're building a new capital city. Um, I did hear about it. Where is it? What's the capital now? What's it going to be? It's uh, it's basically outside of... Um, it's, it's like on the, like on the outskirts of Cairo, just a bit further away. Okay. Um, and I, I worked in that area for a year. So like throughout the year, I just saw how it developed and it was developing very, very quickly. Mm. So... Um, it is getting better now, but when I first got there, I was like, bro, this is next level, like next level. <laughs> and, and obviously you've, you've lived there for, for six years. What are some of yeah. the biggest changes you've noticed? You mentioned infrastructure. What are some other changes you've noticed from the mo year one to year six? Um, expanding on their transportation system. So mm. like they're building a whole nother line on their metro system on the subway. Oh, they have a subway out there. Um, they do, yeah, yeah, and they, they've had it for for years. I think it's like one of the one of the oldest in the world. I think. Oh wow! If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Another yeah, and it's, it's it's pretty good. It's yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, so they're building a whole other line there. They're building a monorail. Um, they're building more bridges for like pedestrians, just for like, for the people to cross the roads. Right. Um. So that's in terms of infrastructure. I know that the education system is being revamped as well. You know, they're, they're trying to make it more comprehensive. Uh, are they more, are they more foreigner? Like, yeah, sorry, girl, go ahead. No, sorry, go ahead. What was that? No, I was going to ask. Are there, have you noticed more foreigners moving to Egypt? You know what, bro? Foreigners, a lot of foreigners have been there for a while. It's just okay. like no one, really, no one really speaks about it. Especially mm. like when I started making my videos... Um, you know, I've got so many messages from people like, you know, like Muslims and non-Muslims saying like, listen, I really want to move to Cairo. What advice can you give me? Like, I was, I was genuinely shocked, you know, and the expat community in, in Cairo especially is massive. It's so huge. Wow. That's kind of, yeah, yeah okay. that, that, that's cool to know. And wait, do you, so you mentioned a little bit earlier, do you speak Arabic? I do, yeah, yeah. I mean, not not very good, but I can I can speak some Arabic. Right, yeah. And what you learned? You learned while you were over there, or you knew a little bit before? Uh, when I was over there, yeah, when I was over there. Okay, got it, got it. And what's it like? So, is is Egypt predominantly Muslim? Yeah, yeah, it's predominantly Muslim. They have a uh, a Coptic Christian uh, minority group there. Okay. Um, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't know what the exact statistics are, but Muslims are the majority there. Yeah. Okay, and what is like, what is it like for you? Because I mean, I live in Costa Rica. It's a Catholic country, but you know, it's not a, it's not something you kind of feel uh, all the time. Mm. Do you do you feel like like do you feel like the I don't know the the predominance of Islam? Do you feel that on a day to day while you're over there? Like you know the the prayers that you hear over like or intercom or something, or how does that work? Yeah. So. Um, like I'm, I'm a Muslim myself. I was, okay. I was raised Muslim, so okay. growing up in London, there is a very strong community of Muslims, you know. But again, it's like when I moved to Egypt, you could definitely feel the difference, you know. Mm. You hear the call to prayer five times a day. Um, random people in the street will greet you and say "Assalamu alaikum," and you would respond "Wa alaikum salam." Um, you know, you go in a shop. 
they have the Quran playing, you get in an Uber, they have the Quran playing. So you can definitely, definitely feel the difference. I mean, when I, you know, when I came back last night to the UK, I remembered that like, yeah, like that, that predominance isn't there. So it's like, again, I've got to tread very, very softly. You know, I've got to be careful, um, not for my safety or anything, but just the way I carry myself as a mm. Muslim, because, you know, um, and, you know, when I say how I carry myself as a Muslim, I'm not talking about watering down the religion, but just more so of, um, you know, I need to be on my best behavior because mm. right now they have they might have a twisted view of Muslims because of what these extremists have, have done to the image of our religion. Mm -hmm. um, but also just trying to, you know, teach people any opportunity that I get. But in Egypt, you don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, so you can definitely feel the difference, 100%. That's that's so interesting that again, you, you, like you said, you grew up. I feel like you have all these different layers of uh, again, like you have African heritage. Your your parents immigrated from Africa to the UK. Then you went from the UK to Africa. You have Muslim yeah. also. You you you're, you're you're practicing Muslim, but you're going again from one where is the predominant religion. So, so for, sorry, from one where is not the predominant religion to one where it is. So do you feel like you're okay? I'm gonna ask you a very big like you know kind of a, I don't know, I don't know if it's a spiritual question or whatever you want to call it, but do you feel like you're more in tune with yourself and, and all these different layers and identities that you have now that you've lived in Egypt for six years? Uh, that's a very good question. That's thank you, very, thank, very thank, good thank question. you, thank you, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> you got me thinking now. Um, I would, I would say, all right, I mean, put it this way, yeah, it's like in Egypt or any predominantly Muslim country, you don't really have an excuse um, if you're lacking in terms of practicing your religion. Mm. Because in London, don't get me wrong, I don't complain. Like I've said from day one, the UK is the best country in the West for a Muslim to live in because mm. the people are tolerant. They don't have laws against Muslims or religions in general. So it's, it's, it's the best place to be. However, when I went to Egypt, I could automatically see the difference. Like, where I lived recently, within a two-minute walk, there were, like, four mosques. Wow. You know what I mean? And yeah. you would hear the call to prayer in every direction. So, when you hear the call to prayer, and, like, funny thing is, there was a mosque right underneath the flat I lived in. <laughs> oh, wow. You know what I mean? So, right, it was like, right. I had no excuse not to go to the mosque. If I don't go, I'm the lazy one. Whereas, in the UK... It's like you don't get, you might not get breaks to pray. You might not have a mosque close by to you. You know, when you check the food, you got to make sure is it halal or not. So it is, it, it is a bit of a struggle, but it's not so bad in all honesty. But again, in Egypt, you don't have to worry about stuff like that. Wow. And, and, and so question, because I think this is, this is an interesting part. Like we, we mentioned earlier again how, you know, you, you kind of accepted by, by the Egyptian people, by the locals there. Do you think the fact that you are practicing yeah. Muslim also helped a great deal as well <laughs> with your integration? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, for sure, because I, because again, Egyptian culture is kind of tied into Islam as well, you know, right. so it was easier for me to know what was a taboo, what wasn't, what was acceptable, what isn't, um, and, and, and all of that stuff. And for them, it was like, when I told them I was Muslim, it was like, oh, like my long lost brother. You know, mm, I like that. I like that. <laughs> That's so yeah. cool. That's a see. I'm just hearing this, it like I'm like, man. I think if I was in your shoes, I'll feel way more in tune with all the parts that make me who I am. You mentioned the, again the religion, the the cultural aspects. It's such a I don't know. Like I said, long lost brother. Hearing somebody tell you that, I don't know. That that, that gives me goosebumps just hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really cool yeah. thing. I don't know. I don't know, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 as you described it, you know. Um, but you know, again, it's um, you know when 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 they say that that there's a foreigner that has come to their to their country, um, they normally leave the religion part until the end. I think like Egyptians are quite wise with this because they know religion is a touchy subject, right? You know? Right. So um, so again, like whether the person is Muslim, like if the person is a Muslim, to them it's not an issue. It's you know you're in our land, we're gonna take care of you. Um, you need anything, you let us know. But again, just for them, when it's some when it's a Muslim day, it's like something extra, you know. Right, right, right. And what are some of the what are some? We're almost getting to the end here, unfortunately, man. I could talk to you for another hour, but what what do you think are some of the, some of the things that that make you still very much a Londoner and and a British person that you might have 
are were longing for that going back to home to London? What are some of those things that make you, you know, that you felt are still a part of you very strongly? Uh, you mean about London, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Like, makes you you feel like, yeah, I'm very British in this way, and this will always be this way, regardless of where I am. And it was maybe hard in Egypt to, you know, make that come out as much. What would you say though? Some of those things are. Um. Well, you know, like in London, it's like everyone minds their own business, you know. Mm. Um. And this is actually tied into Islam as well. The Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, um, part of like, you know, he said, like, I don't remember the exact wording, but it's like not dabbling in things that don't concern you is a very, very good quality to have, you know, getting involved in everybody's business is, is not a good thing to do. So that's something that I also found in the UK. And it's like, I just kept reminding myself that like, you know, you cannot get involved in, in other people's business. So, um, but you know, with Egyptians, it's like, they, they kind of get personal with people quite quickly and quite easily because they're so chilled and they're so relaxed, you know? Mm. So, Oftentimes, whenever I got those kind of like personal questions, it was like, yeah, see, I wouldn't get this in the UK. So I think stuff like this. Um, but I would say mainly my parents, you know, growing up, I was very, very close to my mom and my dad. And because again, because I barely left home, I was very, very close to my mom and my dad, you know, um, even after my parents got divorced, you know, my dad still played a huge role in my life and he was still very much involved in everything that I did. So for me, leaving them was probably the hardest bit. And that's what kept me coming back to London, spending time in London and um, just enjoying every moment because, again, I had my, my parents here. Um, so I would say that. And I don't know, this might seem a bit trivial, but just like, I would say London has the best transportation system in the world. Very efficient, um, very well organized. It's become more expensive now, especially with the inflation that's gone, that's gone on globally. Like it is become more expensive, but mm. nonetheless, like you are paying for quality. So just things like that. And, you know, as I'm looking out the window right now, the green, just the greenery. Like I think I didn't get much of that in Cairo, mm. you know, just the parks, the fields, the trees. Mm -hmm. Like it's like literally as I'm just looking out my bedroom window, I'm just looking at it now, and it's it's it's, it's a beautiful sight. So, gotcha. yeah, mainly my parents, but you know, the transportation system, the infrastructure, the greenery, these are the things that kept me, you know, coming back to to London. Gotcha, gotcha. And now, unfortunately, Abu Samar, we've reached the last part of the podcast. So there's going to be a, a lightning round questions. I'm going to ask you a question the first, and you're going to answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? Yeah, let's do it, man. All right. What's your favorite place in Egypt? You mean like city or... Anything. Just whatever's your favorite place. If someone says, yo, what's your favorite place? You're going to name it. What is it going to be? Mall <laughs> <laughs> uh, of Egypt. Mall of Egypt. Okay. Is that in Cairo? Yeah, that's in Cairo. Yeah. It's, um, it was a place that I took my wife and kids to like a lot because it's just, it's, it's a very, very nice mall, you know? Okay. So you have a wife and kid. Wife and kids. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, we, didn't, we didn't even touch on that. All right. <laughs> See, we can only capture so much in our podcast. <laughs> hey, bro, listen, I can keep going. I know. Keep going, <laughs> Just very, very quickly. Did you be here in Egypt or in the UK? No, I'm here in Egypt, yeah. Wow. Okay, okay. That's, yeah. man, I, this, this is wild. <laughs> this is like, I have so many <laughs> questions. All right, she's Egyptian. She's Egyptian, yeah. All right, we're, we're going to have to... Uh, Cut off the lightning round quick. I got. I got to get to that. I feel I'll be remiss if I didn't get to this huge part of your life. Obviously. <laughs> All right. So you. Okay. So this, this is gonna be super quick. Though. All right. So you meet your wife in Egypt, right? She's Egyptian. Yeah. How do yeah. you feel? Like, why do you think that works for you guys? Given that you come from the UK and but she's Egyptian, why do you think that works for you guys in particular? Um, I think because, like, even though I'm. I know a lot about Eritrean culture and British culture. I wouldn't say I'm a very cultural person, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and she, and she's the same. Like, again, she's proud of her culture. She knows about it, but she's not a cultural person. So, um, uh, so you know, it's like we didn't allow culture to get in the way of stuff. Mm. Um, and, you know, we just had the same worldview kind of thing. And we had the same goals, same ambitions. So I think that's why it worked well for us. And how did you meet her, if you don't mind me asking? 
Uh, like at work, we, we we worked at the same place. Okay, cool, cool, cool. That's cool. All right, and then you decide to have a family. Kids, do you have? Uh, I've got two kids, two wow. girls. Awesome, awesome. Congrats, man. That's a, that's a blessing. Thank you, bro. And, and so, when did you get? When you told her, how how did you guys come to that decision that you guys were going to leave? Um. Well, you know, like, cause you know, like in in Islam, we don't we don't have um, dates or anything, right? So we just kind of have like these meetings, and we just ask each other questions, and you know, we get a, we get an idea of like if we're gonna get along or not. So during that time, like, I asked her, like, would your parents be okay with you marrying someone that is looking to leave Egypt and live somewhere else? And she said, yeah, absolutely. So wow, just from that, I could tell. Okay, fine. So should be cool with that, you know. Just, just dropping that in there, yo. If we're to, if we be down to leave, <laughs> I mean that makes sense, yeah, right? Yeah, that, yeah. You got to get that out the way because it's not gonna work. And I and this is like you mentioned the Islam culture, but I think this is also true, right? When you're a foreigner abroad, if you're thinking of moving elsewhere, right, you got to make sure the person you're trying to date is also at some point will be down leaving too. Because if they're not they're like, Absolutely. nah, I would never leave, then obviously it's not going to work. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, precisely. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. All right. Yeah. I, that, that, I had to get that in there. We got it. We made it quick. That's good. Blessings to you and your family, <laughs> man. All right. Now the real, again, resume lightning round questions. All right. So your favorite place is the Mall of Egypt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Why is that your favorite place? Um, because it's the only mall that isn't packed with a lot of people. Um, good vibes, great place for children, great place for couples, wide variety of restaurants, wide variety of like clothing stores. Um, staff there are very helpful. They speak English as well. Um, that's in Cairo? It's quite, that's in Cairo, yeah. Okay. It's, um, it's in Giza. But Giza is considered like part of Cairo. You okay, got gotcha, you, got gotcha. you. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, pyramids, overrated or underrated? I'd say overrated. Oh man, really? Yeah, yeah. I'd say overrated. Why? Why is that? Why are the pyramids, ancient wonder of the world? Why are they overrated to you? <laughs> <laughs> Hope the Egyptians man, don't hate you after this. <laughs> Yeah, I know. They're going to hate. They're going to be like, no, you're not Egyptian anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, number one for me, like, I'm not really into historical sites mainly. That's just my preference. Okay. But the other thing is, it's like, Egypt is so diverse. And I feel like the pyramids kind of take away from its diversity. So if you go to Aswan, you've got Nubian uh, culture. You go to Matruh, you've got the Bedouin lifestyle. You go to Alexandria, it's a coastal city. You go to Siwa, you have like the oasis there. You go to the Red Sea resorts. It's like, you know, you can chill, you can do what you gotta do. So it's um if you go to Lotsor as well, they've got other historical sites. So there's just I feel like there's just so much more to Egypt than the pyramids. I feel like, you know, the pyramids kind of distract the people from it. Mm. It's like like yeah, like the pyramids are cool, but have you been to this place? You know what I mean? <laughs> Got you, got you, got you. Okay, pyramids over. You heard it here, folks. Pyramids over. <laughs> hey, 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 don't get me in trouble, man. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. I mean, if I go to Egypt, I'm definitely going to see the freaking pyramids. There's no way I'm not going to see it. Um, all right, so <laughs> no matter what you say, that all right, so all right, pyramids over, uh, uh, overrated. What's a place in yeah. Egypt that's underrated? Oh, uh, uh, okay, me personally. I would say Marsa Matruh. Okay. What's that? <laughs> that's like that's like another city. Um, it's like it's past Alexandria, so it's quite close to the Libyan border. Um, I would say it's, I, I would say that place is underrated. Um, to many people it might seem like very conservative, but it's still a very, very good place for families, you know. Um, beautiful beaches. I would oh. say the beaches in Matruh are way better than the ones in Sharm el-Sheikh and Hurghada. Okay. So Egypt has some nice yeah. beaches then? Definitely, definitely. And if you want to go diving, Sharm el-Sheikh is the best place to go. Definitely. Amazing, amazing. Uh, favorite yeah. phrase uh, or teach me some Egyptian slang. What's some Egyptian slang that's that's fun to say? Or your favorite? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> favorite phrase in Egyptian slang, Arabic slang. 
All right, my favorite. I mean, yeah, slang. Mm. I would say yasta. How you say it? Yasta. Yasta. Did I say it right? Yeah. Okay. What, is, yeah, what yeah. does that Yosta. mean? What did I yeah. just say? <laughs> <laughs> nothing bad. Nothing bad. Don't worry. No, what I, is would, it? I wouldn't do that to you. Yeah. What, what is it? So, <laughs> so yasta is like if you're just talking to a driver, you know. So, um, if you're taking the microbus. And you want to get off, then you would tell him, yasta. So yasta basically means driver. But it's very, very like <clears throat> local language. So you wouldn't use it in in a formal setting. Like right. it's really like, yeah, it's really informal language to use. So it means driver, yasta? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But you got to say it with a kind of... With a kind of like swag. More, more, more flow, star. more flow than my, than my dumbass. Okay, more flow, more flow, more yeah. swag. I got you. <laughs> yeah, <Yostle>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Um, I mean, obviously, you already exposed this, but we'll, we, this will be uh, the last question. This will be the last question I'm going to ask you. Um, is, you know, as much as time as you want to take to answer it. What are you going to miss the most about living in Egypt? Honestly, this is not a cop out either. I'm just gonna miss Egypt. Mm. I'm just I'm just gonna miss the place because like it's become a very sentimental place because it's the first country I started working in and became a man. The first country where, you know, I got married and had kids. Like Egypt, like just my experience in Egypt was like a huge transition for me, just as personally and like as an individual. Um so I would I would say just the country itself, like I'm gonna miss it. However, if I had to pick something more specific, more tangible, um I never felt unsafe there, me personally speaking. Mm. Coming coming from South London where, you know, I mean now my area has become a lot more safer because of the gentrification and stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. But um when I was in Egypt it was just like I felt I felt very safe while I was there. I didn't have to worry about getting mugged. I didn't have to worry about, you know, um, being in the wrong area because I'm from a different area. Like, I didn't have to worry about stuff like that. So uh, I would I would say that if I had to pick something more tangible, I would say just like my safety, that like, I felt safe out there. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Abu Samra. I most definitely did. Um, man, his story is just so interesting, intriguing. As you can see, we really had, we could have spoke for another hour. We were just talking offline. He's like, man, I could have spoke to you for another hour. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. But of course, got to keep it concise for you guys, your listening pleasure. <laughs> but no, it was just great hearing his story. And it's just, again, so many layers, man, to people and their, and their stories, their travels, and how he feels connected to Egypt. And no, notice what he said at the end there. I'm like, what are you going to miss the most about Egypt? He just said Egypt. I said, like, can you know, can it pick something? He picked something that's tangible, but just Egypt in itself and all that it encompasses, he's going to miss greatly. And obviously, he's going to carry that with him wherever he goes. And that's probably the goal, I feel, for a lot of people, um, whether you meet someone like he did, right? He has a family now um, that he's met in Egypt. But whenever you leave anywhere, you you, you got to, you know, you got to take that with you, I feel, for it could be a part of who you are. Um, it doesn't matter how long you're going to be somewhere when you live abroad, whether it's two years, five years, six years, 10 years, if you, you know, whenever you leave, you know, hopefully you take a part of that with you in a, in a, in a meaningful way, right? Not like, oh yeah, I saw these most beautiful things. Like, yeah, that's important too, but also the people, right? And what that means to you and the connections you make. And I think it's clear as day just by listening to him, the way he carries himself and the way he describes, um, the Egyptian people that it's clear that he's very, he's integrated, he was integrated with the people there. And I think it's evident that he will miss it. Um, and I wish him the best. Obviously, he didn't mean to expose that. But <laughs> um, but I wish him the best in his future travels. And definitely check out his YouTube channel called Abu Samra the Expat. Where he just has a whole bunch of vlog videos. Very informative. Um, and again, it gives you his perspective on what life life was like <laughs> living, living in Egypt. And tune in. Here He told me offline where he's going to go. I already know I'm going to interview him about this place he's going to. I can't disclose it because I promised him. <laughs> so a little tease for you guys in, in the coming, hopefully in the coming months. Um, and yeah, and I personally, I want to go to Egypt. I want to. He said the, the, the pyramids are overrated. 
that's fine. That's his perspective. <laughs> I definitely want to go see an ancient one of the world and obviously the other places he mentioned um, all around Egypt. But yeah, I just had a great time talking to him and, you know, and obviously hear, hearing about Egypt and what, what life is like. And a, a side note, definitely lit, watch the show Rami on Hulu. Rami is an amazing show. Um, if you if you like the show Master of None with Aziz Zari. I highly recommend the show Rami on Hulu. It's great. It's amazing. I've learned a lot and it's funny. Um, but yeah. But anywho, if you like what you hear, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Spotify and any of your other favorite streaming platforms. See you next week. This is A Living Color Abroad. Peace.